This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tool. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is our Raw Reaction Show. Join you the morning after Arsenal beat FC Zurich 1-0 in a very uninspiring and not particularly fantastic performance. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're good. I hope you've had a fantastic week thus far. We're going to be talking all about the game and more with your comments and thoughts and feelings as well. So make sure you drop a like on the video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel as well. Just realising this hat's got a massive little bump in it. What's that about? What's that about? Is that even going to be fixed? No, what's this? Got a little bump. I don't know what's going on there. That's ridiculous. You're going to have to deal with it. I'm going to have to deal with a bumpy hat. I've clearly just been like crushing this somewhere. The reason why it's looked so bad. Maybe we'll do a hat change halfway through the show. Anyway, I hope you're doing good. Hope you're well. Uh, and obviously, this win does mean that Arsenal uh, have now qualified for, well, not even qualified, but just finished top. So they go straight through to the round of 16, which... If your Arsenal is a good thing, if you're Man United, it's not. We'll talk a little bit more about that soon. Um, but we're going to get a lot of your thoughts and feelings in today's Raw Reaction show to yesterday's game. Round off some of the big talking points as well. Um, I'm hoping that the microphone is coming through for you. I'm having some weird things going on with it, but I'm hoping it's sounding fine. Do let me know if there's any kind of issues in the chat box. But good morning uh, to Matt G. Good morning to Gunnarate David, Amira, Marcus, Nav. Good morning to Runs with Cows, to Peter, Mohamed and Martin. Uh, good morning to Kevin. Good morning to Colin. Uh, good morning to Mike and Nav and Canoe and Paul. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're well. Uh, so I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing some positivity. I know it wasn't the best result in the world, but it's what I think we've come to expect mainly from this Arsenal team in the Europa League when they make significant changes. We are always going to, we're always going to have this problem. You know, we're always going to be in a situation where You've got this starting lineup. You're in a situation where this team is flourishing and playing fast and free-flowing football. But when it comes down to changing seven starting players, which I think it was seven, you go through the team, you've got Holding came in, Tierney came in, Lokonga came in, Elneny came in, Vieira came in, Nelson did technically kind of play most of the last game, but still didn't start it. So he came in and Eddie came in. And when you've got 
seven players coming into the team, I'm not going to expect it to be the same free-flowing style that we've seen in the Premier League. And I think we really miss Granit Xhaka as well. I think his presence was really felt in yesterday's game. Anyway, let's crack on with the main part of today's show. Uh, there is a brand new prize which you can win. Uh, Gabriel Martinelli, a custom signed and framed Arsenal shirt. Uh, it lights up and everything. It's, it's quite the it's quite the spectacle. Link to the in the description. There are two hundred tickets available for this one, and you can get involved and get a early point discount. Uh, just three point six three points. Who says points? Uh, three pound sixteen a ticket. There's also plenty of instant win prizes available, including an Alexander Zinchenko signed Arsenal shirt, a Granite Xhaka signed and framed Arsenal montage, and plenty of site credit for football prizes to get involved with future competitions as well so make sure you go and check out the latest prize in the description so Arsenal winning 1-0 it wasn't pretty but we got the job done and that's the most important thing in these games because sometimes performances aren't always going to carry you through certain fixtures and you're going to have to rely on a little bit of luck and a few good performances to carry you to that point and I tell you what FC Zurich were a different side entirely to the team that I saw play when we watched, well, we watched them play in St. Gallen in Switzerland. Yes, they caused us some problems there and we had to really force our way to a 2-1 win. But this was a Zurich side with motivation. It was a Zurich side that came in knowing that a result would get them through and would get them through to the UEFA Conference League because PSV, of course, beat Buda Glimt and didn't have anywhere near as seemingly as many issues as we had when we went to Norway. Uh, we had to get the job done, and it was as simple as that, and we managed to do that. So uh, 100% record with me in the press box indeed, Marcus. If I'm there uh, in the Emirates home ground, we are doing well. Now, I was at the game in the press box for the Southampton, so I don't have a 100% winning record, but we are still unbeaten, which is certainly a good case in point to have, certainly for this season anyway. Kieran Tierney was the only goal scorer of the game in which he put in what was an excellent performance, both going forwards and going backwards defensively. Well, when we talk about the injury issues that we sustained throughout the game, it might be occurring at the perfect point in time for him as well. But getting that goal boosted his confidence massively. Huge celebrations from him, considering, you know, this is a game which on paper you would say isn't going to be high up in the minds of many Arsenal fans. It's the one we're going to look back on. Uh, with any real kind of fondness, but he celebrated his goal as if it was a goal in a North London derby. Clearly, there is a frustration in him. Clearly, he wants to be playing more games, and he knows that if he can show these types of efforts, then that's something that's going to help the team. So, fantastic for Kieran Tierney. I love Aaron Ramsdale running to the halfway line as well to celebrate with him. I don't know if any of you caught this, but Ramsdale was actually singing North London Forever in the tunnel prior to the Arsenal lads coming out. Uh, Certainly worth going and trying to find if you can on the socials. But that was rather funny as well. Um, It won't go in for Jesus. It, It just will not. He can't find the back of the net. That was certainly a performance of a player that's just not got the rub of the green at the moment. It's the performance of a player that really needs a goal and just can't seemingly find it right now. And that's a huge frustration for him, clearly. And he is reacting to that. And I think his game is starting to be affected by this pressure that is being pushed onto him regarding uh, this this need for a goal. Now, when Mikel Arteta was asked about this before the game, he simply said that when he gets three assists, I'm not exactly going to complain or adjust too much with his performance. The problem is, is the assists weren't there in this specific game. And actually, he became, 
I think the more the game went on, the more frustrated he got, and he was right to be substituted. I just hope that he can get that goal at Stamford Bridge because that would be massive for him. It would really kind of bring his form back to life to get his goal in such a good game before the World Cup. And I think potentially the World Cup is actually playing on his mind somewhat. And that isn't going to be helpful for him in any way. And he knows that with Richarlison potentially back before the World Cup as well, he had to take the opportunities that were going to fall to him during this period of time. And he's not necessarily been able to do that. And I do think that World Cup kind of thought and feeling is potentially weighing on expectation. He blocked Fabio Vieira from having what looked to be a goal-bound shot at the time uh, and in a very unfortunate position, ran across the goal at the wrong time and blocked that Vieira shot as well. He had a great chance early in the second half as well in which he was finding the ball on the left-hand side on his right foot. Keeper makes what you would describe as a good save because he gets his body in the way and he deflects it over. But Jesus has to score that, I think. Absolutely has to score that chance. And if we have an opportunity as big as that against Chelsea and it doesn't go in, there will be finger pointing. You know, there is going to be an uh, inquiry around why and what is going on with Jesus. But uh, right now, it continues not to be a problem until it becomes a problem. Now, as I mentioned, he did block a Fabio Vieira shot. Now, I found this a performance from Vieira that seemed in some way a little bit forced in some senses, really trying. He just needs confidence. I just feel like Vieira needs to play with more confidence. I don't really buy into the whole he needs to bulk up, he needs to get stronger because he's just joined the new league. And I'm sorry, but Martin Erdegaard isn't exactly uh, a player full of muscles. And yet he manages to contain and really complement the way that Arsenal play and control the midfield and control the passing to the forward lines really well. I don't think it's necessarily all on the physical side. And he had a really strong challenge coming to him in the first half, two-footed. It was given as a yellow, I think. But really, it, it's one of those strong yellows that can border on a red, I think. Yes, he got the ball. But I didn't see that challenge as anything other than out of control and a potential injury uh, could have followed from that. So he was lucky to get away. And I think maybe that knocked his confidence. And he wasn't then playing with the same amount of verve that we've seen in some of the other uh, Europa League games this season. I just think it's about... Um, I just think for me, it's about being that much more confident in his play. And I think he needs to get more regularity in his game. And when he gets more minutes in the Premier League, in the Europa League knockout stages, hopefully we see a player come out of his shell. But without that preseason, I do think that he will improve significantly uh, within the winter kind of period he's got. Because you've got that World Cup. He's probably not going to go with Portugal. And we've got this kind of mini pre-season break with some friendlies. I think that's going to give him an opportunity, you know, to show what he really can do. Uh, fingers crossed it's it's positive going into the game. Now, Takira Tomiyasu, unfortunately, um, and I say unfortunately because it's a big blow, you know, not only to us, but to Japan and potentially for the World Cup. It isn't yet understood how serious his injury is. However, I asked Mikel Arteta the question after the game what the situation is with him. And he simply said that he felt something and they didn't want to take any risks, which is fair because of the World Cup. Not only that, but we've got some important games between now and the World Cup starting against Chelsea on Sunday, of course, which I'd be surprised, if, to be honest, if he's fit for. But who knows? Maybe it's not as serious as he fears and he maybe he was just overthinking it at the time. And then, of course, you've got Wolves away from home, which is a game that you should expect Arsenal to be picking three points up from, especially considering how bad that they have been. Now, what the bright side to this is, and it isn't a bright side for Tommy Asu, but certainly for Kieran Tierney, it's an opportunity for him if Tommy Asu is out 
But also, Alexander Zinchenko did return to training this week. So he was also in the squad yesterday as well. Didn't come off the bench, but was in the squad and certainly nearing uh, a return to action. So potentially Zinchenko will be in the team against the likes of Wolves, maybe in the Carabao Cup against Brighton. We'll see Zinchenko given some minutes as well. But whilst Tommy Asu is out, we've got a player that's going to come in and hopefully do the business for us. Uh, Mikel Arteta, full press conference. He did talk a lot about Chelsea as well and was asked questions about Aubameyang as well. There's more comments that will come out tomorrow. Um, but specifically talking about what kind of Chelsea bring. He knows what to expect from them. He, know, he says that they've been consistent. I mean, consistently poor is what I would describe them as. He was being uh, as coy as possible on the Aubameyang situation and avoided any potential dramas, avoided being drawn on any potential um, interesting questions around the forward. Uh, I'm sure that you've read through the press conference. You can read that online. It's available at Football London as well. Um, but yeah, uh, it was an interesting presser in which he seemed confident uh, and dismissive of some questions. He was asked about Gerard Piquet's uh, retirement. Uh, and I don't know if you watched it back on the video, but he he didn't even know that he'd retired at the point. And the question kind of caught him off guard as well. Um, and he talked about, obviously, in the end, about how good Piquet was and what he's brought to the game and stuff. But yeah, no, I think that <laughs> questions like that, you know, when they come out of nowhere, they're more, I think, designed for the potentially the pre-match press conferences rather than straight after a game. Um, but no, it was interesting hearing from him. I managed to get the question in about Tommy Asu, which is always a positive to be able to ask a question in the uh, in the press, especially about a big topic such as that. Um, and the last thing to talk about before we go to your questions and thoughts and comments in the chat box is that Manchester United finished second after only managing a 1-0 win away at Real Sociedad. This means that they will have to play two extra fixtures next season, which is an absolute nightmare for them because um, you'd imagine they would be going through the cup competitions as well. So when they're going to be able to play those two extra games is unknown. They could be going up against the likes of Barcelona, Juventus. They could be going up against some some massive clubs uh, in that competition. So very amusing in that sense. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because this is an Arsenal podcast, not here to just to laugh at Manchester United. But it's always worth laughing at Manchester United when you get the chance. Anyway, we're going to move to part two and your questions Right after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, we're going to jump into the chat. I did see a comment that I wanted to address, which was a comment from Alexandra Lawson, who said that Sambi was a ghost in the game. Now, with respect, I don't know what game you watched because I thought Sambi was really good. I thought in the first half he was quite quiet. 
we didn't necessarily see the Sambi that I wanted to see playing in that slightly more advanced role. I think it was a bit of a kind of a, a lingering effect from him playing at six, like he was playing quite deep. And then he wasn't the best partner for him as well, quite sideways, not really progressive. And he's obviously coming back from an injury. So it was always going to be a timid display from a player like El Nenny. But in the second half, I thought Sambi Lukonga was excellent. I thought he was progressive. I thought his tackling was good. He turned over possession well. He switched the play well. And when Partey came on, his game stepped up even more. He hasn't played that role. And that is the role that I want to see him play more in. But he's been playing so long in the deep position. It is going to take some time before, you know, that kind of shift to the number six role, the number eight role, sorry, sees more from him. Elneny coming back is really good for Sambi because it means that he can rotate with Xhaka when we need to. He can come on for Xhaka. He can come on and play next to Partey or next to Elneny. And I really thought that it was a performance in the second half specifically that showed Sambi being the player that we think he could be. I don't know what it is, but there seems to be kind of this growing block mentally with a fair few Arsenal fans around Sambi and his performances, almost as if kind of they've checked out of Sambi Lokonga and they're never going to see him given the, the, the time of day. I think that's wrong to do that because he's only, you know, he's only still 20, 22, 23 years of age. Joined last summer, hasn't able to uh, hasn't been able to get the regular football in its more natural role. I would like to see him probably go on loan next season to get a regular game every single week. But I am concerned that there are Arsenal fans that have already kind of checked out of Sambi Lukonga because obviously they're hoping for us to go and sign um, a player in midfield. So for that, I, I think is dangerous. I think is naive to go in and rule Sambi's future out of the club because I think there's a really strong player in there. But the amount of times that he was able to turn over possession, the amount of times he got back and defended well, the amount of times he was in the final third supporting the attack was strong. He played a box-to-box role. I think we missed Xhaka in terms of his passing specifically. But I really thought that Sambi was good. And I think if you think he was invisible, you didn't notice him in the game, go back and watch the game and watch Sambi's contribution. That's important. Um, Aya says, Tom, and thank you for the donation. I need to be called out for giving up on Nelson. He might not have had a world-class performance, but I loved what I saw. He's forward-thinking. Hey, look, I think Nelson, the, the ball from Nelson into White was sublime, which obviously led to that first goal and the only goal of the game in the end. He was involved. He was energetic. He tried stuff. It wasn't the same Nelson that we saw on Sunday, but it wasn't a performance that I would actually I have a criticism for besides the fact that he could have potentially got more into the game and tried to be a bit more in it. I love the tackle that he made in the second half. He lost a duel, and when he lost that duel, he got back. He run, <laughs> got back and got the ball. And I thought that was a very – that was going to obviously impress Arteta because obviously we all know the meme that came out of the All or Nothing documentary – and when he got that tackle in the second half, that kind of showed the desire that I want to see from my forward players. When that forward player is getting back and getting involved in the defence and you're playing in the front three, that absolutely is going to be the best thing for him. So, I, 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 yeah, you know, brilliant stuff. Um, let's go to... Let's scroll up a little bit more. Uh, ben says, I thought that Reese was solid and Nelson gave them problems, says Nav. Nelson is a confidence player, says Yomi. Can't disagree. Uh, Manu says, uh, Reese learned how to defend from Arna Slot. Trust me on that. Of course, the Feyenoord coach where he spent time on loan last season. Uh, Marcus says, over 600 watching, less than 30 likes, so less than 5% conversion. Is that a poor stat, Tom? Um, come on, give Mr. 8am some more likes. 
Less than 30 likes and there's over 600 of you watching. Come on, guys. Let's drop a like on the video and show that support for the early morning effort. Uh, Olu says, hey, Tom, thoughts on Arteta saying that we uh, go for a different level of player now in the pre-match conference? We do and we are aiming for those players. And that is the right mindset. We should be looking to target a level of player that is going to push the needle of quality forwards. That's the most important thing when it comes to Arsenal's transfer policy is that you bring in a player to take up a slot in the squad that pushes the needle. Now, I've had a conversation or two with, with a fair number of people about the idea of, of signing a player in January, um, signing potentially a, a more aged player like Zaha, like Trossard. Now, these are both players that I think would add quality to the team. But you've also got to think not just about the needle in terms of quality, but you've also got to think about the, the the number of spots available in a squad. When you sign a player, it takes up one of those slots in the squad. So you need to make sure that what you're filling each slot in the squad with is quality. Mikel Arteta talked ahead of the game where he said he doesn't have two 11s that he can rotate out because he doesn't have a big enough squad yet. I'd be interested to know if that's something that he's aiming for and wanting, potentially something I might ask in the future. But I think it is something that Arsenal need to build towards is the ability to have two quality 11s that they can rotate and then kind of the two half 11s that you saw yesterday where you rotate some players in, some players out, and yet try and maintain the quality as high as you can. The key thing is the synergy across the whole squad so that when you remove one player out, say an Odegaard for a Vieira or say a Jesus for an Inquietia or say a Gabriel for a Holding, you know, these players that are coming in to replace them need to be able to do exactly what those players before them did. I'm not sure Nketiah does that. I'm not sure that Holding does that. I think Vieira could do it, but I still need to see more confidence from him. And that's the key is about when you push the needle of quality, it's about when you change out a part, you're not putting a defective part back into that slot. You need a player that's able to simultaneously, well, not simultaneously, seamlessly come in and out of the sides and not allow the level to drop too much sometimes naturally of course the level is going to drop a little bit because you can't have two starting 11s of the same level of quality man city don't have that but you need to make sure that when you bring a player in so say um from manchester city's point of view if you take out ruben neves you've got john stones to come in if you take out ruben diaz you've got ake to come in if you take out um cancelo you've got carl walker if you take out uh harland well no one's going to replace Haaland. But Julian Alvarez, of course, who they signed, looks a real talent as well. And, you know, potentially as a backup option to Haaland, comes in and they haven't yet lost with certainly Julian Alvarez playing with a competitive fixture, I think, anyway, with him up front yet. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they haven't as of yet starting a game anyway. So, yeah, they've got a player coming in, providing quality. It's about when you change out those parts that the part that comes in is, is as good as or nearly as good as the player that they replaced. Uh, Fuad says, too many fans already think that we have top four in the bag. Call it Arsenal PTSD, but I think we need to solidify our squad in January because I can't see it sustaining it without better quality and strength in depth. Absolutely. Yes, they don't, there's no debate for me. We need to see an improvement in the depth of this squad, and we know that we can do that with reinforcement in January. Uh, PJ says, Tom, please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, we would be possibly having to face Man United if they progress to the last 16. Yes, uh, I'm pretty sure that that's right because no one can play each other from the same country in the first knockout round, which would technically be the round of 32. But I think in the Europa League round of 16, you can. I don't think you can in the Champions League round of 16, but I think you can in the Europa League round of 16. 
Don't quote me on that. Certainly worth checking, but that would make sense. Uh, Alin says, Tom, is this paper talk or has Edu got closer to bringing Danilo in during the January window? Arsenal are interested. Arsenal have an interest in the player. They aren't close to signing him. They haven't made a bid yet to sign him, but they are interested in him. That's my understanding of the situation. Uh, Aaron says, do you think if we head into the window uh, top, we will flex our financial muscles? Or if we go in points behind City, they will. I think that wherever we sit now, I think the most likely is we'll either be top or we'll be second. That's where we probably will sit going into the January transfer window. I'm hopeful. Of course, we've got some tricky games. We've got Chelsea and Wolves, and then we've got West Ham uh, on Boxing Day, and we've got Brighton away on New Year's Eve. You know, they're not easy games. But you'd hope we'd go in either top or second of the table uh, into the January window. And you'd hope that the plan is in place, that they're already talking to teams, they're already talking to players, they're already planning so they can get business done early in the window so that it can have an impact in some of those January games. Because we've got a tough January. You know, we've got Spurs, we've got Man United, we've got Newcastle. You know, we need to be ready for those games. It's important that we get through January the same way that we got through October, playing against big teams like Spurs and Liverpool, and getting wins and getting big points, going away, of course, to teams like Leeds and being able to pick up points as well. Very, very important. Uh, James says, morning, Tom. A couple of off-character performances last night. Um, Beers especially looks static. Who's Beers? Um, Vieira, is that meant to be? It looks static. Uh, there are a few times where him and Nelson made the uh, the same run and caused a bit of a cluster. Potentially. Uh, I think the Vieira often, because of his versatility, finds himself playing in a number of different positions. Nelson also is a lot more narrower than Saka, likes to play a lot more inside than Saka does. Uh, Saka's great at giving Arsenal width, whereas Nelson's a lot more akin to kind of, especially on the right-hand side, more playing on the inside version. So that's always going to cause a little bit more congestion, I suppose, in the attack than we're typically used to seeing. Uh, Matty says, Tom, do you think we'd score first against Chelsea and then tighten up at the back? Or do you see Arteta going all guns blazing for the full 90 minutes? It's very rare that you see an Arsenal side go all guns blazing for 90 minutes. Usually Arsenal are a side that play in bursts and we have different bursts throughout the game. Often we start the game with a very strong burst and we are doing that a lot. We did that against Liverpool. You know, we've done that against Spurs. We've done that against a lot of teams. We've done that at the weekend, you know, against Nottingham Forest. We played very quick and intense to try and we did it against Southampton. You know, get an early goal in the game sets you up perfectly. So I imagine that we will start very strong but there will be dips and there will be times where Chelsea being the home team will have areas or periods of dominance. I will expect that to happen. But they've got a number of injuries now, especially to James and Chilwell, that we need to make sure that we are taking advantage of. They're going to play Kukurea. I imagine that Koulibaly will return, of course, and partner the likes of, of uh, Thiago Silva in the middle. Maybe Chalaba will play. Amaznaz Bequeta will be right back. But we need to be in a position where we're able to take advantage of that. And we need to start the game strong. So I think we'll have bursts, as we typically do. But I don't think we'll dominate for 90 minutes. I don't think that's an expectation that's realistic. Uh, FTL Guna Craig says, TC, and thank you for the donation. I'm a bit late. Can you start over? <laughs> Hope you're well, my friend. I can't do that. But I can, of course, say thank you, uh, Craig, for the kind donation. And, of course, for the FTL scarf as well. Uh, Spags says, hey, Tom, in regards to goals, uh, I wonder, could the higher work rate or something systemic uh, of Mikel Arteta's style be contributing to the lack of uh, centre-forward goals. Bamiang's goal record dropped off and then Lacquer's now Jesus. Now, the reason why I don't agree with that is because Jesus is getting into a lot of goal-scoring opportunities. 
He's getting chances. He's not like he's isolated. It's not like he's not getting service. Jesus is getting lots of chances to score. He had them last night. He had them against Forest. He had them against Southampton. He hasn't taken those chances. So I don't think it's the same because Aubameyang, whilst he missed chances too, wasn't getting the same level of service that Jesus is. I think it is more of an individual closed analysis on the player rather than a wider problem for the team because you can't say that we're not creating things for Jesus because we definitely are. Uh, Elliot says, if, if Sambi had such a great match, what rating would you give him? Because most gave him a five or a six. I think I gave him a seven uh, in yesterday's game. Just checking my match ratings from yesterday. Uh, I can go through them. Uh, you can read them. You can read the explanation as to why on the website. Ramsdale, I said seven. White, seven. Holding, five. Gabriel Magalai, seven. Kirantini, eight. Mohamed Elneny, six. Sambi Lukonga, seven. Fabio Vieira, six. Reese Nelson, six. Gabriel Jesus, six. Eddie Nketiah, six. Partey, six. Bakaya Saka, five. And Tommy Asawerdegaard and Cedric didn't get a rating because they didn't influence the game when they're on the field. The way I do ratings is I start everybody on a five. That's what I do. When a game goes in at nothing, I start everybody on a five because that's, for me, you know, that's the average. A five out of ten is an average performance, neither more, more good than bad or more bad than good. So everyone for me starts on a five and gradually I tweak that rating based upon what happens during the game. That's how I do my ratings. I know not everyone does ratings the same way. Some people start from zero and say they need to build up. I don't think that's fair. I think a five is a fair place to start the players. Anything lower than a five is a below par performance. Anything above a five is going into the more positive performances. I think Lekong had a positive performance. I didn't stand out for any negatives. And so I think a seven is a fair rating for his performance. He was on a six at halftime, pushed that up to a seven in the second half, certainly. And I think he was worthy of that performance. I was very critical of Rob Holding. I thought that his, um, I thought that Rob Holding in particular really struggled for pace. I thought he struggled for distribution and was probably our weakest player on the field in the entire game. Um, Jesus, I gave a six because of course, all the missed chances and stuff, even though he harried and he pressed and he was good energy. I think, you know, that clinical finishing was just missing. Uh, Aya says, and thank you again for the donation. Uh, who's a better eight, Sambi or Gendouzi? Let's put it this way. I wouldn't be swapping Sambi for Gendouzi. So I suppose that answers your question. Um, Carl says, why do you think we are winning so many games now when we are playing poorly compared to recent seasons when we never won these types of games? Uh, togetherness, unity, mentality. It's very, it's all, I think when it comes down, when you play badly and you still pick up points or win, that tells you more about a, a team's metal. It tells you more about a team's uh, confidence than it does about their ability. And, you know, in the games against Leeds and Southampton in particular, and in fairness, you know, in the first half, we played really well against Southampton and we were due our lead. Second half, we didn't play well and we conceded, but we kept going and we managed to keep them out and restrict them to as few chances as possible. Against uh, Leeds, you know, we defended really well. The mentality was strong. Heads didn't drop. Against Liverpool, when we conceded twice and we kept getting pegged back, again, heads didn't drop. We kept on going. Spurs, you know, again, another example. Um, Fulham, when you went 1-0 down. There is something different about the mentality of this team right now. And I think for me... All of that builds and combines into a team that when we don't necessarily play as well as we have done in the past, that we can pick up more points. That's for me, is the most important thing. Mark says, I agree with most of your ratings, Tom, even though I had uh, smoke in my eyes most of the night. Yeah, I feel sorry for those that were either in the uh, 
uh, the clock end uh, or in the upper tiers around the stadium because the the flares from the, the Zurich fans. It was quite a display. You know, if it's done in a safe manner, I don't mind that particularly. Uh, I quite like an atmosphere like that. I thought they were brilliant, the Zurich fans. Um, far better than the PSV fans, of course, who cause a lot of problem and damage and flares and thrown flares at Arsenal fans and stuff like that. So I thought the Zurich fans were a great part of the night, a really, really big part. I wish Arsenal fans could be like that sometimes. I wish we could have that tribalism in ourselves sometimes to show that type of kind of passion and noise and support for your team. It was great. Uh, Lona says, uh, what do you think about Torres, uh, the American? I'm hoping that Arsenal taken... Uh, but as an Arsenal fan, I'm hoping that they take him only if it's the right for the team. Uh, I have talked about him a bit more in the past, uh, a number of shows. I think Arsenal should, for me, be aiming at a higher calibre of player. And if he does come in, he's kind of one of those Lukonga Tavares style signings for me. I might be wrong. I've not seen loads. So plenty more now. I've watched more of him. But for me, I would be looking for Arsenal to aim a bit higher with their uh, with their targets for that position. Uh, Trevor says Spurs must have metal uh, as they are getting away with it. Metal spelled M-E-T-T-L-E, of course. Um, I think it's more about the idea that Spurs are just getting lucky. Spurs are getting lucky. There's a difference between when Arsenal are picking up points against Spurs, against other teams and when we play badly and Spurs picking up points against other teams when they play badly. There's a difference. There's a clear difference in the performances, first of all. There's a clear difference in the score lines. I mean, you look at the, the score line against Leeds. Really bad performance, mostly. You know, in the first half, better. Second half, really poor. But defensively, really key. 1-1-0. One, one, Spurs, 3-2. <laughs> you know, didn't deserve to win that game. Had to come from behind from 2-0 down. That's not a metal. That's luck. I'm sorry, there's a lot of luck about that performance. Really, really lucky that they have been so, so incredibly fortunate this season to be where they are. And they hopefully will be found out very, very soon. Uh, Paul says, Tom, you've not mentioned the appalling refereeing. Why? It was one of the worst displays I've ever seen. I don't particularly like going into the refereeing performance because I think that good teams take that away from the referee. Good teams will take the, uh, the you know, the conversation into their own hands. Like Southampton, the referee in that game was dreadful. But we had enough chances. We did enough in that game to win it without the referee's influence. So I don't typically like talking about or point towards the referee unless it's a clear, like, an obvious thing that cost us. But for me, he was very bad. He was poor. Didn't let anything go. Really, you know, there was some, no consistency, I think is the key one. Some fouls were given, some fouls weren't. All of those things combined are a frustration. Uh, Hard Cheese uh, says, Tom, your thoughts on having a big man up front to bring on late in games. Uh, I think that this is always something that is uh, a little bit too much lent on as a genuine, legitimate tactic. I think for a side like Arsenal, um, we need to make sure that we have a system, a structure that only ever goes to what I wouldn't call a plan B for Arsenal, but like a plan E. We need to go through plan A, B, C, D before we start lumping the big guy up front. I don't want to see Arsenal doing that. Is it beneficial to have that type of option off the bench? There's no, there's no argument to say that it isn't because it's definitely got evidence to suggest that it is. But I just think that Arsenal need to find their way of winning without having to chuck a big guy up front. If you know, worse comes to worse, you start chucking Gabriel up there. We've got him to go and do that if we need to, if we're losing by a goal. 
you can chuck him up there in the box if we need to, like PK has done. It's ironic because Olu has literally just put that comment in the chat box. We can push Gabriel forward like PK used to do with Pep's Barcelona. That's the most I would go to, but I don't think I'd want Arsenal to go out and, you know, sign a specific plan B style striker. I think that we need to make sure that we've got several plans with the players of the style that we want to play that are exhausted before we start going into the realm of plan B strikers. Anyway, um, we've gone over the half an hour, which means we are going to wrap things up there. This isn't going to be the only show of the day for you. We're going to bring you our Chelsea preview tonight at 6 p.m. So do make sure that you tune in and turn your alarm clocks around for that UK time. Um, but thank you so much for everybody that's tuned in. Nearly 800 of you watching. Do drop a like on the video. Do subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. I'll, of course, be back again tomorrow morning to round up all the latest news from the last 24 hours of Arsenal's world and chaos that we all live in. But I hope you had a fantastic Friday. You've made it to the end of the week. Congratulations. And I hope you have a great weekend if I don't see you then. But of course, we've got a big game against Chelsea on Sunday. Plenty of opportunity to talk about that and more in our preview show a little bit later on today. Have a great day, people. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.